Hey, Crossview, Rosa Parks, Howard Drive, online. It is good to be with you. So uh, let's talk politics. The let's moment, do it. The moment I said that, everybody <laughs> listening to this got it. Just a posture of fear. Uh, we're Minnesotans. We're Minnesota nice. And we don't talk about sex. We don't talk about religion. And we definitely don't talk about politics. Uh, but the beauty of what we've been doing, we've been going from Romans 12, we're just going to go through the end of the book, is we're submitting to the text. We're preaching the texts that are coming in front of us. But it, it's, it's a messy conversation, <laughs> right, Brian? It totally is. And part of the reason why it's messy is because these issues that we're talking about are messy. And I think about right now, we're dealing with questions about, do we let our kids play with the neighbors? Do we let, do we go visit our in-laws? And do we, you know, how do we respond to the COVID-19 pandemic? And then you think about how even in our response, we sometimes judge others' responses and we watch the Facebook, you know, social media posts that are happening and people on both sides are trying to figure out how to live this out and they're judging those who are choosing to do so differently. And we even talk about that in our own home. It's hard to figure out what to do. And then you look at our political system and how that's responding to the pandemic and it's a mess and these things are messy. <laughs> and, and the reason the COVID thing, cause it's, it's all politically charged. It is. For whatever reason, whatever you think about, it's politically charged. And so as we were preparing this, I think the three of us a number of weeks ago when we knew this would be the text for the, for the week, like, man, that's gonna be a good conversation. And as we poured in study and prayer, um, I, I think two things. I think we, the three of us feel um, a weight to this message that is different than, than the normal weeks. And we always feel a weight of preaching God's word, but, but this one feels different. And, and I, I think it's for, um, because it's both excitement to preach it, because it's God's word, points towards Jesus Christ, but there's a little bit of fear. And, and the weight is this. I think we all feel like we need it, but we feel like we as a community need to hear and submit mm -hmm. to this text mm -hmm. in new and different ways that represent Jesus Christ and not a political system or not a worldview or an ideal out there. So mm -hmm. we're, we feel a lot of that, that, that mm -hmm. weight as we get into So I'm going to pray. Then Sandy's going to give a little background before we jump in. Jesus, um, I pray that we would hear your word. And in doing so, God, because of the good news, because you came and died and rose again, Lord, as we follow you, that we would follow you and represent you mm -hmm. as our true King and Lord. Pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the context is that this is a letter written by Paul, delivered by Phoebe, to the new church of Christians in Rome. The Jewish Christians had established it and unfortunately had been exiled by the government in Rome for about five years. And in the meantime, the Gentile Christians had likely taken power and changed a lot of things. As we're reading this book, the Jewish Christians had come back and had found a lot of changes, not as they maybe had expected. And so as we read Romans, we see that there's really this conflict within the church and Paul talks to that. We've been preaching that for the last few weeks in Romans 12. Now in Romans 13, he continues to, to really push us to think about how do we extend grace, not just one another in the church, not just to like the strangers who need hospitality, but even to those in the government. That's absolutely perfect. So yeah, so let's jump in and we're going to read through with a little bit of commentary. Brian's going to kick us off, but then we have a couple of principles we, we just want, we feel like we need to wrestle with. So kick us out, Brian. Yeah, let's start. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. 
The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring, bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear? Fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and you will be commended. And so what, what's interesting is that Paul's instructing us to submit to our governing authorities. And in some ways, it sounds like that could be a big problem for <laughs> us. And we're going to talk more about what it might look like if and when we might ever not do that. But it's important to be mindful that this is his starting instruction. And the bigger thing that I've been thinking about as we've been wrestling with this is the larger context of Romans chapter 12. And then even next week, Paul's talking a lot about how to love our neighbors. And if we can keep that in mind, I think it goes a long way in helping us mm -hmm. to submit to the government. That's so good. Because that, that's the backbone to this. Backbone is the gospel, yep. chapters 1 through 11. But it is. This is about loving our neighbor. And so mm -hmm. he keeps saying in verse 4, For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Mm. And remember the context. We're going to talk about it in a sec. But for there, he's saying this under Roman Empire rule. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. You're God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. And some of this language is really hard. Mm. Um, therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. And what that word conscience means, it's the idea of choosing between what is morally good and bad. So the idea is, though, even though the government, even though rural may not be good, that we heap coals on their head or we overcome mm -hmm. evil with good by actually submitting to the government. Mm -hmm. Again, this is tough mm. stuff. So, mm -hmm. All right, here comes the easy part. Yeah. <clears throat> this is also why you pay taxes, Paul says. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. This really connects to other parts of scripture. It might be easy for us to look at this and kind of make it a throwaway part of the scripture, except Paul himself talks about it in other sections. And Jesus himself talked about, give to Caesar what Caesar is owed. So this is not something that we can wrestle with lightly. <laughs> uh, this is something that's all over in the New Testament. Also, when we think about paying taxes, that might be easy for us. We do pay our taxes. And I'm assuming Brad and Stacy do the same. But when you think about the context of this church in Rome, likely they were full of many people who did not have a lot of money. And the taxing system back in that day, it was not just. In fact, the poor probably uh, percentage-wise gave more than the, than the wealthy or the elite. So again, the people receiving this message struggled just like we're going to struggle with it. Yeah, yeah so and then, and then Sandy's going to give us, so, and even think about that like in the context of community that, they're hearing these these statements from Paul under Roman rule, mm. uh, mostly poor, but there are some wealthy among them. There's mm. slaves, there's slave owners, there's rich, there's poor. And so the idea is everything that he said in chapter 12, wrestle with this in the context mm -hmm. of community through the lens of loving your neighbor. So and then give, right. us, give us like some language around this. Was, what, is, what did this mean mm. in, the, in the first century in Rome? Yeah, so we think about in chapter 12 where it's talking about thinking of others more highly than yourself. Um, so within the context of the government, if I am really giving respect to everyone, no matter who they are, 
Um, Paul talks about not repaying evil for evil. So if the government is oppressing me, I'm not supposed to like punch him back. I'm not supposed to draw a sword. I think about Peter who draws the sword when Jesus is going into the garden and he gets rid of an ear and Jesus is like, nope, that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, at the same token, these people who are oppressed and are struggling, um, they are in a community that is based on grace and forgiveness. And it, it is such a challenge. I, I literally, I can't imagine what it was like for them back then. Or those of you who are listening today that are just thinking like, wait a second, how do I submit to a government that's so full of unjust and corrupt practices? And yet here it is in the text. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Oh it my is. gosh. We read this and all of us, all of you, there's red flags, there's questions, but, but just think for, we try to put some language around this. This is written to people living in Rome, mm -hmm. mostly poor, not right. citizens, don't have a legal position, unsure of their official status. Peace was forced on them by the government. Mm -hmm. um, the government would have been a part of in, endorsing things that were immoral. Right. Worship, worship Caesar. They were told that Caesar gave you everything. Caesar was divine. Mm -hmm. All you had was from Caesar. Um, Express yourself sexually however you want to. Oppress those who have power. And the list could go on and on. So it's, it's within that that mm -hmm. world that this text is given right. to them. Right. And so all those red flags and questions that we have, they had them and more. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is give you two principles that we think are really clear in this text. Um, and then wrestle with one big mm -hmm. question. that we're. This is going to be a messy sermon. We're just, we're leaning into it. <laughs> we don't have all the answers but we think we have some questions that will help us follow Jesus. So the first principle is this, and it'll be up on the screen here. Uh, and this is crystal clear in the text is the government of every nation is ordained by God. And let me give you a couple of, of explanations, sort of caveats, what that means. It's, it means that the nation is, that the governments are there because God has allowed it to be there. God's the ultimate authority. What this doesn't mean is even though God has ordained, it doesn't mean God controls. God is not the chess player in the sky moving the pawns around. God ordains governments. Uh, God does not control governments. There's free will that we, we mm -hmm. believe theologically in. It also does not mean that nations, how do I say this well? There is no nation that will truly represent the kingdom of God until Jesus comes back mm -hmm. and is on his earthly throne. Amen. And so we have to be really, there is every nation is both broken and on to varying levels and varying percentage, and somewhat beautiful too. And so we, we, we lean into that and we understand it from that posture that Jesus is the ultimate king. There is no nation, no government of any time that has fully represented the, the kingdom of, of God. So mm -hmm. the government is ordained by God. Second one, Sandy's going to sort of walk us through here. The posture of the Christian life is to live in submission to their government. So when you think about Jesus, when you think about the New Testament way, when you think about how we live in community, the posture of submission is all over the text. It's all over scripture. It's not always comfortable. It's not always what we necessarily um, are drawn to, but it is all over. So when we think about living quiet and peaceful lives, being good citizens, that's really, it's, I mean, we've talked about it kind of as the default position, but it really is overall our posture. Uh, when it talks about in chapter 12, as long as it is possible, as much as it depends on you, like work as hard as possible to live at peace with other people. If that can happen, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> as long as, as it's not possible, but as much as possible, we are seeking to have peace, shalom, to be part of that kingdom, which brings peace, not division. Yeah. And even to that, like I said before, there's 32 conversations we could, <laughs> could have off of what Sandy just said. Uh, and we can't have every conversation yeah. this morning. And so we, we acknowledge that. We acknowledge 
we're knocking at some things that, that probably um, should be hit. So, mm-hmm. Brian, Brian, why don't you, I mean, at the heart of what this text is saying, I mean, g- give us yeah. sort of, if we could sum it up in one sentence. Yeah, as we've been wrestling through this, we've just been thinking again and again that respecting authority helps others to experience God's love and ex- it helps them to experience God's love in this world. So that is so key, respecting. Yeah. So, I mean, if there's one thing you take away, we want it to be that. Mm-hmm. This The reason we do it, yeah, it's, it's okay, let's, <laughs> again, there's so many things over there, but this is the heart of what we want to get get across. And so two questions to wrestle with, mm-hmm. and this is going to take us a few minutes. Uh, but one question, probably many of you are thinking, is this, is this a teaching that is for all Christians for all of time? Um, Brian, you want to you want to answer, answer this one? Well, first off, we say yes. Um, I mean, the simple answer, but it's also a little bit more nuanced than that. So, um, general the general language that we see around Scripture is this idea of submission that Sandy was talking about. And so, in cons- in keeping with that, we continue to do that. And the the general idea around Romans twelve and thirteen is that we are to consider others better than ourselves and to love our neighbor. And so those are some key things. Jesus even talked about it in terms of how he submitted to the government. Mm-hmm. Give to God what is God's, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And even the language that, that you'd mentioned around the sort of transcendent language around rulers and authorities mm-hmm. is not pointing one person out in, in particular, but seems to be language that transcends one point in time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Right. Right. And first Peter... Um, Peter talks about very, there's very similar language there that talks about how we continue, um, how we can continue to submit to the government. And pray for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so again, doesn't make it easy conversation. We know that, again, this is a a big conversation. But this leads to the second question, which is, I think, the one the majority of us, and and the beautiful thing about Crossview, when we think of politics, as far as of Jesus, I hope we're all on the same page, that Jesus is king. He's the one who forgives. We want to follow his way. But... That way, neither the political right nor the political left is, is fully Christian, okay? And so the question that comes into all of our minds in varying levels, because I know a lot of people here in Crossview, some of you are Republicans, some are, some are Democrats, some are in the middle. Um, the question becomes this, when am I allowed to disobey the government? The messy question. Right. And, and it's often done from this perspective. We, we, we use term like my personal freedom, my rights. And it, and there's truth to that, but even that language has to be understood as followers of Jesus. My rights, my freedom are connected to the good news. And what Paul is saying here to these people, Gentile Christians, Jewish Christians, your rights are now are about loving your brother and sister and submitting to them and doing what is best for them. Mm-hmm. And so when Christians say my rights, if it's from a posture of selfishness, mm. we're sinning. Mm. We're so missing the mark. And so I just want to say a couple of things before we wrestle more with what that means. But th- that, that question of where can I disobey, it's not about what I want or what I get. It's about how I'm going to serve others. And so we want to talk through a couple of I'm sort of talk, talking points that will hopefully uh, get us there. So, Brian, you want to kick us off about talking how we peacefully resist? Yeah. So we can resist the government through peaceful resistance. And we can think about Dr. Martin Luther King, who did that. Uh, We can think about the Apostle Paul and Jesus who did that. We think specifically about uh, the Apostle Paul and uh, the Apostle Peter who did that in the New Testament. And Peter, who was told to not preach in Acts chapter, I believe, 6, said the the government told him, don't go out there and preach. And that was a direct disobedience to what Mm -hmm. God had told Peter to do. 
And so Peter did the right thing and followed what God had said over what the government was telling him. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus, uh, again, disobeyed what the, the ruling government had told him around Sabbath because the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And mm -hmm. so it's those, Jesus and Paul, Peter mm -hmm. and Martin Luther King Jr. were all resisting government in peaceful ways. Mm -hmm. And so we can as well. It's good. And also we talked about that it's okay to resist the government when it's not allowing us to love our neighbors. So when we see a system that's in place that is bringing injustice and inequality, inequality, it is okay to fight against that. In fact, I would say uh, God calls us to do that. Whenever it's possible, we use the systems that are already in place to bring justice, to bring that justice. So we're not calling for revolution. In fact, this passage talks about, we're not about bringing the sword, the sword comes against us, but that's, you know, we're not to be rebellious. Uh, but I do think that Paul would say, when you see an unjust system, it is okay for us as a community to face that and try to fight against it. We've been studying about uh, and learning about Maya Moore, who's a local celebrity. And so I've heard about her on KFAN a few times and was able to study a little bit about her. So she's a follower of Jesus. And uh, what's also great about her is she's one of the best female um, basketball players probably in my lifetime. Did awesome at UConn and then was drafted by the Minnesota Lynx. I will also say the Minnesota Lynx, pretty much the only bright spot in Minnesota sports for a long time. Okay. So her, her like Wikipedia page for all of her awards, I couldn't even get through it all. This woman, not just a good basketball player, one of the best female athletes probably. She's an Olympian, all that being said. Recently, she went into, uh, she left her position basically, left the WNBA, not just one year, but two years because she had a friend and his name is John, Jonathan Irons. And she met Jonathan in prison and came to find that he, at the age of 16, was given a 50-year sentence because of a crime that she believes he did not commit, and he's on death row. So she's been using her time, her income, her connections. She was already an advocate um, for uh, people who have been imprisoned unjustly. And so she's one example of how she's working within the system. She has legal representation, and she's fighting for somebody that she believes has been unjustly incarcerated. That's uh, I mean, Hopefully part of what you're going to hear from us is uh, when, it, when is it okay to go against the government is really from this posture of loving our neighbors mm -hmm. and loving the oppressed. And so one other thing just to think about, I think uh, Christians are called to civil di disobedience when it's the loving thing to do, mm -hmm. when it's concerning someone who is oppressed, often being led to death. Um, the, 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 I, I think it's from this posture of fighting against injustice that leads to the death or slaughter of the innocent is required by Christians. Mm -hmm. And the moment I say that, we probably all think different things. And I, two things came to my mind, and this is to get us thinking. Um, this is one of those, those sermons we hope you walk away saying, huh, I need to have some conversations about what I just heard. And two things. You think of the slaughter of the innocent and, mm. and death of those who are oppressed. And one is that we don't talk a lot about because it's often politically charged is abortion. And what does it mean to be people who are, are pro-life and fight for that in ways that actually can make for change? Hmm. Um, it's a big question. It's a question that we, we should wrestle with. The other thing I was thinking about after what happened, horrible situation up in the Twin Cities with George Floyd is how do we, um, and often I would say, especially white privileged Christians, how do we um, fight for issues of life they are connected to our African-American brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And what does it mean to be with um, 
those who often don't, what, what does it mean to be the voice for mm-hmm. some who may not feel like they have a voice? Or what it, you could put a lot of different language around it, but, it, but I think part of that question, the, part of the answer is, um, what are we doing to give a voice, to give hope, to give mm-hmm. feet, whatever, uh, for those who maybe don't feel mm-hmm. like they have it. So, mm-hmm. by the way, all of this is, is active, it's engaged, it's, it's leaning in towards the political system as a follower of Jesus. Mm. Uh, to bring the good news, to bring more of the kingdom. So mm. how do we close this out, guys? Oh, boy. <laughs> Should we try? Yes. <laughs> First, we would just want to ask, how can we and are we submitting to our governing authorities? Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And within our political system, how are we loving each other? I think particularly because what have just has happened up the road from us, what does it look like? How do we speak for those that don't have a voice? What does it look like for me to grieve with those who are grieving? That's one of the things I'm thinking about. And, and to do it from the posture that Jesus is our king. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Republican Party is not, the Democratic Party is not, the Libertarian, the, the <laughs> Olive. Green. You know, whatever, the, the, <laughs> right. the, the list. Um, and so we, we said early on that this is gonna feel messy, but we also think it's clear on some level. Um, I think. Um, for some of you hearing this, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Mm. And I think a message like this tells a story about Jesus that is mm. so hopeful, um, that provides a different alternative to what we hear in the world around us. And, and our, our word to you is Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. Mm. And that's simply through wherever you are in your head, talking to God and saying, God, I want to follow you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I want you to be the king and leader of my life so that I can live a different way in the world around me. But then for a lot of you, and by the way, if you did that, there's gonna be a slide after the message is over that uh, with a number that you can text to, and we just wanna help you begin to follow Jesus Christ. But for a lot of us, we've been followers of Jesus. And I think if you're not wrestling with some of the things that were said today, um, I don't know that our ears are open to what Jesus is saying. Um, in chapters 12 and 13, we're hearing some things about how Jesus wants us to be towards each other mm-hmm. and how Jesus wants us to be towards the world that are very different than we see around us. Mm-hmm. My invitation for you, it may feel messy. There may be some messy questions, but it's clear that we need to look more and more and more like Jesus Christ, especially in the political system oh. that we live in. Mm-hmm. Let me pray for us. Gracious Father, we thank you for um, the good news. You came and you died and you, you showed a way to live that is, is radical. It's a way of love that is, it's a game changer, God. So we thank you for that, Lord. We pray as followers of Christ that we would represent the fact that you are our true king and leader and that we individually, but as a community, would look more and more like the one that we read about in the yeah. scriptures. So we thank you, Lord, and we ask you for the strength and courage and power to do that. In Jesus' name, Mm. amen. Amen.